He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Because he's the reason why we are here. Amen. Don't be tired in the middle. Give him praise. At the back, give him praise. At the side, give him praise. He's the most important person here. Give him praise. Amen. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the privilege of being here to share your word. Thank you for the privilege of being the vessel you chose for this evening and this time. I empty myself of all self and of all things that are not of you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill every nook and cranny. And you will bring the heart of a father to his people. May this, this meeting not be a secular meeting in any way, but may be a spiritual encounter with you. For God, you are spirit. And we who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. Let the truth of your word come through these lips of clay. And let the word that sets us free, the word that is a light, and the word that is God come to your people tonight. Thank you for your unction, your help, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, I want to thank the leadership or executive committee of PENSA for inviting us here. It is an honor to always preach the gospel, and I don't take that for granted. Amen. I also bring you greetings from my husband, the bishop. And um, I thank God for his life. Amen. Um, I remember years ago on Legon campus, we didn't quite have PENSA, but we had LPU. That is Legon Pentecostal Union. It was after we had left that it became PENSA. But I, I remember that my good friends like Bishop Saki and his wife, Lady Pastor Cynthia, were in LPU. And I remember that sometimes they would invite my husband to preach. And it's LPU that evolved into PENSA. And I thank God that the battle is still going on. And you are going, growing from strength to strength 
and from glory to glory and not relenting. Amen. After all these years. So congratulations to you. Um, one thing that is peculiar about young people when they invite you is they give you a lot of things you should talk about. And yet the time is also very limited. I think that the reason is they want to get the most out of the evening. But we are also constrained by time. Now, the lady here, I don't know, are you the president? She said, um, you would like to have more question and answer time. At the same time, I'm supposed to talk about so many things. And the interesting thing about your letter, you said after all the points that, Lady Reverend, this is not exhaustive, so add some more things. <laughs> but I trust that the Holy Ghost will lead us. And I know that you have constraints of time in terms of the use of the place. It reminds me of us many years ago in this little classroom where Lighthouse began with five members. And then it moved to the veranda here. And then it moved to the veranda downstairs. And then it moved to the canteen. And um, whenever I come here, I have a lot of nostalgia. And also, I feel very humbled by God's faithfulness that we never thought Lighthouse would become what it has become. And that it just takes the grace of an obedience. And so these are hallowed grounds. If even they are not hard grounds for you, I want you to know that you're standing on holy ground. Amen. Well, you say that the chronicles of love, and uh, I'm supposed to tell you what true love is. How to know you are in love. How to nurture that love when you find it. And how to make time for your love within your business. I'm very surprised because as you leave the walls of this campus, your working life, then you will see that you really have a busy schedule. So now what you are calling a busy schedule is allowed because you are at that level. But later you look back and you say, oh, we have so much time. But we didn't know. So whilst you are here, serve the Lord, make the most out of it. These are the foundational times for you. Whatever foundation you build will go a long way to make you who you are in the future. Amen. So, well, there we go. Chronicles of love. Bomb. Huh? So, thank God that love doesn't bomb. But, like you all know, it stands for bone of my bones. Now, the first thing I want to say that, yes... Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is not a tribal idea. Marriage is not even um, a hormonal idea or a physiological idea. It is God's idea. It's God who created everything and said it was good and then created man and said it was good and then came to say the only thing that was not good was that man should be alone. And even though he had provided man with animals, with vegetation, with beauty all around him, he felt that that was not enough and that he needed to create woman. 
And he did not ask Adam for his input. He just put Adam to sleep. And he created woman because God knew man's needs. And when God created woman, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. So yes, marriage is God's idea. And it is one of the blessings that come from God. You know, in obeying God's word, some things are difficult and some nice. Like when God says, um, he who finds a wife finds a good thing in Optiva. It's a powerful thing. But when the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me, it is also a command, but it is not easy. Or that they who shall live in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's also a promise, but it is not very exciting, but it is part of God's word. So marriage is a good thing. It is something people look forward to, and it is something that God made. Now, if somebody made something, then it behoves us to look at the manufacturer's um, manual to know how it must be lived. But my point is, even though marriage is God's idea, God doesn't want you to live your whole life waiting for this one thing you think will solve all your problems, answer all your questions, and make you a total woman or a total man. God makes you complete in Christ. And it is when you are complete, then you meet another complete creation of God. Then the two complete people who are complete, not in themselves, but in Christ, come together and then the Bible says, the two become one. Amen. So marriage, it is God's idea. But God will never create anything that will take his place. So it is good that we have conventions or conferences on marriage because at this age, um, your hormones are very alive. Your passions are very high. It is in order. But it also has to be harnessed properly. Amen. And even though relationships are good, they are not an end in themselves. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Because in 1 Corinthians 7, from 29 to 31, Paul is advising people who are considering marriage, and he's talked about so many things. And then he comes to say, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And they that weep, as though they wept not. And they that rejoice, as though they rejoiced not. And they that buy, as though they possess not. And they that use this world, as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. Amen. Lady Reverend, what's your point? My point is that even though marriage is God's creation and love is of God, and love comes from God, we should be able to live our lives as Christians without your marriage or your relationship becoming an idol. An idol is not just a figuring or a, um, a stone or a river. An idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life. And some of us make our relationships take the place of God in our lives. As soon as you get a beloved now, your church attends some way. As soon as you get a beloved, 
then your life is beloved, coursework, beloved. You know, and God is not really first. But the Bible is, even when we are married, let them that have wives be as though they had none. And let people who are weeping, don't concentrate on your weeping. And those who rejoice, not to concentrate on the rejoicing. It means that whatever state we are in, or whatever feelings we go through, that should never be paramount above our relationship with God, our walk with God, and our obedience to God. As soon as we change the priority, we have missed something. Amen? And so, even though we are talking about relationships, I believe that as Christians, we should put first things first. And what is love? The Bible says God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So the first thing is that God is love. So to have the genuine kind of love and the authentic kind of love, you cannot do it without God. Amen? So we may have what we call love, but is it really Love, because unbelievers also have love. Even animals have love. Once my mother went into a bathroom, a guest bathroom of somebody, and she didn't know that there was a dog that had just given birth to a litter of puppies, about maybe five or six, and she didn't know, so she just asked for the bathroom. And when she got there, she opened the door, and the lights were off. And when she tried to look for the lights, she didn't really find it. She decided to just go in like that. Up to today, she has a scar on her leg. I was old enough to see. Because the dog bit her. Why? Because the dog, felt she, she, the dog had just had babies and felt that somebody was coming to attack babies. So because of the love the dog had for the litter it had given birth to, it bit an unsuspecting stranger to protect its litter. That's the puppies. Amen. So if love is just that feeling, even dogs, sheep, uh, goats, they all have that love. And I believe it's because God created us and gave us that innate thing of what we call love. But that cannot be enough. So the reason why God is love is because God brings a certain superior love into our lives. And therefore, if you are here this evening and you haven't really made Jesus the Lord of your life, then I question the quality of love that you will have and whether that love will endure. Because it's only the God kind of love after being married for 28 years and counting that believe is love that weathers the storms and can still persist. It is only because it is divine. It is not because the two people involved in that relationship are special. It is because the love of God has been shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So unless the Holy Spirit gives us that kind of love, we're not going anywhere to happen. So when you read Romans 5, 5, it says, 
the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, not by our efforts, not by our minds, not even by the books we read. Maybe those things will encourage the Holy Spirit, but those things on their own cannot teach you love. Kumkumbaja cannot teach you love. Even Christian movies cannot teach you love. It is the love of God that he sheds abroad in our hearts when we become born again. That is the God kind of love. And that is quality love. And that is where true love springs from. It starts from there in the first place. And that kind of love is called agape. Agape love is love in spite of, not love because of. Amen? The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. So the God kind of love is unconditional love. Now, when people can see me and they say, Lady Reverend, we are in love. And then I say, okay, to the man, what do you like about her? And then they go, she's very caring, Lady Reverend. I say, really, how do you know that? Because... As a lawyer, I don't have to just get the headlines. You have to give me evidence of what you are saying. You say she's very caring. Give me the evidence that shows that. Oh, she's very Oh, the last time I went for lectures, and when I came, Lady Reverend, she had actually come to my room and said, I thought you would have a long day, so I brought you some sandwiches, which many sisters don't do these days anyway. Some of them are laughing because they know it's very strange. But then the man who says, so because of that, she's very caring, She's respectful, so I can see that she will be a submissive wife. We have the same interests. When she talks to me, I'm happy. Then you turn to the sister and say, why do you like the man? Lady Reverend, I can see that he has eyes for the future. He has vision. He'll be a good provider. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end, I realize that all the reasons are selfish and self-centered. And that is our human type of love, period. But the God kind of love is the one that when you marry and you see her flaws, that divine love that has been shed abroad in your heart enables you to look beyond her flaws and still be good to her. And that can come only from the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And you need that kind of love as a foundation. Because believe you me, your love may be like Romeo and Juliet. No, Romeo and Juliet. These days you don't even do Shakespeare. But Romeo and Juliet loved themselves so much. They were even prepared to just die for each other. Or Anthony and Cleopatra. Any of those um, wonderful literature books. You know. And even some people may do side bombing to die for other people. But usually when you ask, the reason is not so that they will die for other people. The reason is the seven virgins waiting for them in the afterlife. So even in that, we have our selfish motives. The reason why, well, I was watching a documentary on 9-11. The reason why they were able to do all that, 70 virgins, is it 70? 70 virgins are waiting for them in the afterworld for them to be happy about so even that love is selfish love. But the love that Christ brought and that the Holy Ghost sheds abroad in your heart, you may despise it now.
But when you get married, you will see that without that love, your marriage is impossible. It will not work. It will not work. You will need agape love. And that's the kind of love talked about by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, which time allows, I will just hit on the background, uh, the headlines, and make some time for question and answer. So, help you be, tell me when I'm 30 minutes into my message. Just do this and then I'll stop. Okay. And then you have the brotherly love kind of love, which comes from the word phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo. And that is the brotherly kind of love, the family type of love, the ones that even dogs and sheep and co have. It's brotherly love. But in the Christian circle, it means that the love of God has been shared abroad in your heart. And then brotherly love also comes up. So when you read Hebrews 13 verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. That's the phileo. That's the word that's used there. Let brotherly love continue. Why does he say that? Because brotherly love can break down sometimes. Some of you have siblings, you don't talk to them. Sometimes you have siblings, they annoy you. Sometimes you are in a church, some people don't talk. And that's what we, the women, we can smile, but our politics is very strong. And the brothers can't even see talk. Amen? And Paul says to the people in the Hebrew church, let brotherly love continue. That is the God kind of love, not agape, unconditional, but brotherly love because we are all in one body. Some are the leg, some are the eye, some are the arm, but we all belong to one body where Jesus Christ is the head. And because we have become brother and sister and so that brotherly love which can be discontinued he's urging us to let it continue that is love among siblings not only biological because i have some great relationships up to now and even in the past and it is brotherly love my love of bishop saki bishop adi and some of my friends way back from legon is brotherly love and it is also quality love because it is anchored in agape amen but there's brotherly love when people don't know christ oh especially in certain tribes ashantis know their brothers very much and francis will say cousin cousin they'll say cousin cousin i'm a cousin cousin you know it's all brotherly love. Then we come to eros. That is passionate and erotic love. Which is supposed to be practiced within the confines of marriage. Erotic love. Passion. Where the Songs of Solomon talks about so many things. And when you look at Proverbs 5 verse 19... It says that, well, the verse before says, live joyfully with the wife of your youth. Then it talks bodily parts. Let her breasts satisfy you always. It's like God just gives you the liberty that shall brother. All the things you have been imagining flow. <laughs> flow. 
And that is erotic love. Erotic love is not the world's idea. Erotic love is God's idea. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Because it's God who instituted sex. And the world has taken sex and made it into something else. And Christians are now learning from the world by looking at pornography and saying that, oh, it's erotic this way and it's erotic that way. But I believe that the reason why God says we should discover each other in marriage is so that it's like a discovery. It's like some exciting journey. You both don't know so much and you grow together, exploring things together. But in today's world, you are exploring before even the time comes. Amen? Amen. And you are learning from the world, forgetting that. That pornographic thing that you have been watching is acting. And the people are going to be paid for what they are doing. And some, especially young Christians, are looking at that and expecting that to happen in their bedroom. If you are expecting that to happen in your bedroom as soon as you marry, then go and bring Hollywood (laughs) to your bedroom because you are actually expecting acting. But if you both keep your vessel and you both meet together in the confines of your bedroom, where only the Holy Ghost knows what you do. It is very, very exciting. And that is called intimacy. And that is God's idea. Amen. And God does not take anything away from you. God is teaching you. among You see, God doesn't always give us reasons. But when I look back, I see that When God says, you are both the temple of the living God, hands off till you marry. See, how do I express my love? God is teaching you how to have quality uh, love without your base human instincts. Amen? And God is teaching you how to love when your husband or your wife has gone on a conference at Kintampo and you are alone. And God is teaching you how to love when you go to work and the secretary comes to you and says, Boss, I see, this is a real story from a church member. Boss, I see that uh, you've eaten other lunch. You have not had it. He said, oh, which other lunch? This is my church member in a bank. Which other lunch? She said, oh, the other one. And I just happened to go and visit him soon after that. So he even showed me the, the, the... text messages. What are you having for lunch today? And then he will also say, oh, roasted plantain. This not knowing it was another type of lunch. <laughs> you see, how do you say no when nobody knows and your passions are rife and you are being tempted? How do you say no? But because before you married, you allow the Holy Ghost to teach you self-control. You would have learned that lesson already. And so when that lunch in skirt comes to you, you have walked that road before and you know how to possess your vessel. Paul said, let every man know how to possess his own vessel. But if you never learn it, everything you feel like having, you have. 
Everything you feel like having, you have. Every fantasy, every imagination, everything, you manifest. The works of the flesh. Then you will never learn self-control. And self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But we are not even seeing that. Even fasting now. Christians of today, you don't fast. You don't, you don't want to hold anything from your body. Everything the body says, you must give it. And then when we say, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Keep it pure so that when you marry, two people who have not discovered each other are coming together. You will not listen. You are in the fellowship, but you have a secret life. But the Bible says all things naked unto him, not to your president, but to him with whom we have to do. Then later, you mistrust each other. I've done my and I've seen a lady. You know, Lady Reverend, I'm convinced that he's sleeping with this girl in the church. Lady Reverend, ah, the girl was very insistent. Then the Holy Ghost said to me, she does not trust him. This was a marriage, very few weeks into marriage. I said, ah, why are you so insistent that he has slept with some people? And Did he sleep with you before you got married? She said, yes. So because you know that he is like that, it has already sown seeds of mistrust. And it has fed and found its way into your marriage. Because you know that he's capable of doing that. But when you find the grace to walk according to God's word and to possess your vessel by the power of the Holy Ghost, that when you marry, even these things are a bit remote. Oh no, I know him. He wasn't like that. You know, not that he was a piece of stone, but I, 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 I knew him and I knew that he loved God so much. So even your mind will be disabused of certain things. So we have agape, we have phileo, and we have eros, the three kinds of love. Now, you don't marry without eros. If you are going to marry without eros, then become a nun. But if you are going to marry, then that eros aspect of love is coming. But it will come in on the foundation of agape, the God kind of love. It will come in on the foundation of unconditional love. And that will anchor your love forever. You see, sometimes when you are not married, you read certain verses. I was just telling my husband a few weeks ago that I have seen that God lives way ahead of us because i used to read the old testament leviticus 20 leviticus 18 and to say that thou shalt not lie with an animal then i'll say ah god we can go far why why should he why should he write such a law who will sleep with an animal why does god write such things even when uh, the bible says you should not sleep with another man as you are, you just read this ah. and then he will tell the woman thou shalt not sleep with an animal i'm like ah it's fine is that what the way it is they were bad oh but, as I have read daily mail and things from the UK, people are fighting in Germany. They want to marry animals. And they are asking the German government to change the law. Daily mail, Google. Daily mail, speciality, that's mar marriage or sexual relationship with beasts. Speciality. As soon as you type it in, it will come. Germany had a law that it was against the law. And now they are fighting that they should bring it back so that they can marry the animals they've been having sex with. So when I saw that, then I said, oh, God lives 
ahead and then also knows us that when we descend is to the bottom. That's how we are. We become even less than animals. Like my husband was saying, if you look at nature, male dog and male dog don't sleep together. That's what he got into trouble for. But beloved, he was just given an analogy, two sentences, and he hit the whole world. But God wrote it in the Bible. And recently I read it against, ah, God is amazing. A farmer had animals. And he saw that now when the animals, when he comes towards the animals or any other human beings, animals begin to run away. This is in the UK. They even have sex hotels with animals. You can just line up and then just go and be happy. And he saw that the animals were running away from the men. Oh, they were not like that. So he decided to put a camera. A true story. I mean, this one, Daily Mail is a very credible paper in the UK. And when he put the camera, then he came to watch it. He saw that in winter, men had been lining up to come and sleep with the sheep. And now even the sheep were running away from man. So, and then they are saying that, but I am attracted to animals. So if we should all do what we feel like doing, then we've lost it. Human beings are a higher being because when you come into Christ, the Holy Ghost comes into you and teaches you self-control. So you don't just go, I feel like this, so I'll do it. I've, are there not times you don't feel like going for lectures? You try not going. Are there not times you don't feel like going to work? You try not going. So feelings are good, but feelings should not lead us into everything. Amen. And the Bible doesn't say as many as are led by feelings. They are the sons of God. It says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So for a Christian to discover real love of all, the Christian must be conscious of the love of God, the unconditional love of God. The first one I mentioned, agape. Then the Christian must be conscious of the different types of love. Then the Christian must know that your love relationship can start from and often starts from brotherly love. You are brothers in the church, sisters in the church, moving. Then you see that, oh, we are happy in this our circle. Then you see that some people in the circle are trying to grow closer than others. And then you pick up from there. But what friendship does is that it gives you opportunity to know people, hopefully. In fact, in marriage, you always discover new things. Because people change. And people are dynamic. You know? And you say, hey, I know the one who said you don't eat yam. You say, sure. I eat yam, Papa. It was because I was trying to woo you. I eat yam. <laughs> then you'll be so surprised. But it starts from brotherly love. So the Bible says in Songs of Solomon that my sister... In terms of, so he calls the beloved my sister. It starts from sisterhood, brotherhood, before it becomes something. So not that you don't know the person, then you say, Pastor, I like this one. As if saying, I like carnation instead of pig milk. It's, Pastor, I like this one. Get him for me. Get her for me. You need to nurture a relationship. We may not be able to read it, but when Jacob met Rachel and the girls at the well, when he fled from his father to Laban's place. He talked to them, helped them to water the sheep. Then he went to live with them. 
before later the Bible says, and Jacob loved Rachel. So there's some type of relationship. Not that as soon as you see the person at the well, you say, hey, I like her. I like her tips and I like her lips. So that's it. We are not saying that don't be attracted to the person physically. But it takes more than physical love for a Christian. And there are certain things that are in the Bible, which I may not be able to, to go through. But at least we know that the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Fellowship has light with darkness. And what concord has with Belial? Belial is a devil. So if you get involved with somebody who does not know God, it is Christ and Belial coming to the altar together. Amen? So yes, from brotherly love, when you begin to look out for things that line up with scripture, number one, and non-negotiable, the person must be a child of God. Period. Don't tell me that he's a black American. And I ask you, see, a lady, he's a black American. It does not make up for the person's credentials in Christ. And if you don't marry somebody who fears God, you have added more to marriage. Because marriage is hard work, beloved. Marriage is not what you see in movies alone. It is part of it, but it's not the whole picture. Marriage is hard work. Harder than your coursework. Because it is something you are tilling, growing, removing weeds, watering before it even comes up. And when it becomes something, still there will be weeds around it that you have to pluck. Amen? So if you don't have that foundation, the fear of God, devotion to God and his word, when trouble comes even in a relationship, you won't solve it by asking what does the word of God say. You will solve it by how do I feel? Or you will solve it by calling that your foolish next door neighbor at R102. Excuse me if you are in R102. My husband was in R103. And then she will say, ah, when I wa- watched Kunkum, what? Kunkum or Kunkum Baja, a girl did it. So I think you said, so now your advisor is Kunkum Baja. That is why quiet time, your relationship with God. Beloved, I cannot overemphasize it. That is your foundation. And that's why the Bible says, when the floods come, what will really stand is the foundation. And that foundation is the rock. And that rock is Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God. You can't. I could not have married without the word of God. Because it's not every time you feel like forgiving your husband. But when you go to pray, the Bible says, oh, then sometimes you are very spiritual. Then you get somewhere and then you are praying with the, our father former. Okay? Forgive us our sins as we forgive them. As we forgive them that trespass against us. Like the prayer won't go if forgive us as we forgive. What will you do? You love God. And you have a nevertheless in your life. You see, Peter said, we have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will by your. So every Christian needs a nevertheless in their lives. Amen. Amen. So unless the nevertheless of the word of God works, 
Look. The number of marriages, not even just marriage, relationships that will not work, you'll be surprised. Because sometimes you feel wrongfully wronged, if there's anything like that. Or wrongfully treated. And you say, no, no, no. I have a point. I'm not letting up. Your feelings are leading you. But when you read the Bible, it says, as Christ, as God has in Christ forgiven you, so forgive ye. God, pardon. Some people come and say, Lady Reverend, it's not easy. It's not easy to forgive for such a thing. Lady Reverend, it's not easy. I said, well, did he say it would be easy? What do you mean that, what do you think the cross means? The cross is not only about salvation, the cross, that's what the Bible says, take up daily, daily. And marriage will let you hear. You will carry the crosses. It is also reciprocal. You will also wrong your partner. And you will also need your partner's forgiveness. Sometimes it's not even about the two of you. It's about in-laws. But whether you can overcome and have your in-laws in spite of, that is agape. It's also another problem. That's why I say that your love is based on agape. The Bible says love is patient. Patient to wait for you before the right time to marry you. Patient with your flaws and your shortcomings. You see, when you discover certain flaws before you marry, you must ask yourself, can I live with this times thousand? Because whatever you are seeing, you see, they say when you see a small mouse, the mother, the father, and the grandparents are there. In the same way, when you see any flaw, any weak, ask yourself, can I live with it times thousand? Because whatever you are seeing in marriage, it doesn't diminish. It multiplies by thousand, if not a million. Amen? Amen. So you must ask yourself, can I live with this? There are certain things some people can live with more than others. Some people cannot live without fertility. They cannot live without it. Whether they are in America, whether they are in the Arctic, whether they are, they can't. So if you know that you can't live with that, don't go and marry a fancy girl who doesn't know how to let the okra catch properly. And then you say she will learn. If she learn, she will never become like your mother in just a few days. It will take a long time. And also we must um, face up to the truth about ourselves. Sometimes we see some truth, we say, oh. You see, the girl is very disrespectful. You say, oh, when I marry her, I will rule her well. She won't change. It's going to be worse. Even now when you talk to her, she's so rude. She walks out on you all the time, not once, but always. And then you say, oh, because of her beauty, Lady Rev. No, the signs you are seeing are real. You see, he disrespects you. It makes you feel as if you are not anything. You have low self-esteem because of him. And it keeps happening. And so, when I marry him, he will love me, and then now, I, I, I will not feel so put down. No, it's going to be times thousand. So, you must ask yourself. So, love also operates in wisdom. Philippians 1 verse 9. Let your love abound in all wisdom and knowledge. In all wisdom and knowledge. So, the God kind of love does not mean you should bury your wisdom and your brain somewhere. Use your wisdom. Use the things God is teaching you. Use the things you are seeing. And your mind. Do we have anything in common? Because after I love you, after sleeping in the bedroom, you can't do that as a full-time job. You can't. There are other aspects of life. Relaxing. 
having a drink at the close of day, you serving your husband, and you are eating together. I mean, I sit with my husband when he comes. We eat together. We fry sweet potatoes. We eat. Then we watch the news. Then I always say, you don't have to be a news reader because people will always discuss you. Even when you come on television, even my God. Hey, I hear his wife this. Hey, I hear his her husband used to be a grave digger. Hey, I hear, you know, all sorts of things. But we chat and then, we, I, I don't see in my life that we sit there and say, so how was your day? There's nothing like that. But it's naturally. Oh, then in the office, this happened. And then that happened. That is friendship. And sometimes... I can be bossy with my husband. I'll even walk into the bathroom. I'll be talking. He'll be dressing. I'll follow him. He'll finish dressing. I'll follow him. Go down to the car before I realize where I am. Oh, the ass people have progressed and they've bathed. And not, I have not progressed in my whatever I'm doing. And if it starts, when I realize, then I stop, you know. I stop at the side. I say, oh, okay. So, oh, no, no, no. Come to the car. Uh-huh. So you are saying. So what happened? That is friendship. And you need it. Friendship to marry. You should be able to be eating kelewele, ground nuts, be happy, watch a nice movie, watch a documentary. It's, it's just a flow. So it's not just you, but you don't talk. I love you, but when you are together, after that I love you, they are mad about you, it's finished. There's nothing in common. It cannot be. So you need to use your wisdom. Philippians 1.9. Let your love abound in what? Love in knowledge, knowledge, knowledge and wisdom. God will give you knowledge about a lot of things, about the person, her temperament, her family, her background. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. Or knowledge about certain things, certain challenges you may have in the future, certain things that await you. Some people have blood group challenges. Then they say, lady, my friend, our love is so strong that... We'll just marry and we'll have SS children. Why? Why? Your love can die because of unsurmountable problems. Your love can be thin because of, so if you can help it, you know certain things you can't help it. You can never have a foolproof marriage that nobody has a fault. Nobody, you can't have that. But there are things that God will show you beforehand. You say you want to be in the ministry. The person is not interested in the ministry at all. Sometimes you are not interested, but you have a willing and teachable spirit. It's different. Sometimes you, you don't know. So you say, ah, ministry, I don't know anything about it. But if you teach me, then that's different. But when you have an aversion, you hate it. You hate it. You say, but I love him. How can that be? He is going to be unhappy. You are also going to be unhappy. And you can see. Sister, Drop that ministerial person and look for the bank manager at uh, the microfinance place and just marry him. You will be okay. Amen? Amen. Let your love abound in all wisdom and knowledge. Unfortunately, I can't go into 1 Corinthians 13 because I have to stop for question and answers. No? Pardon? Five more minutes. Ten more minutes. Okay. So then... It says love is patient. The old version says love suffers long and is kind. I've preached about that and I may not be able to go into it. But Kumbaja and Thiela love suffers the books we read. But God will tell you that love suffers. And not only does it suffer, it suffers long. Love is not boastful. 
or arrogant or rude. Arrogant. You know, some people, I know a man who told his wife, you, am I not the one who brought you to Second D? I said, Second D is New York. <laughs> if I didn't bring you to Second D, will you know what Second D? <laughs> but that is the essence of marriage. Iron sharpness, iron. The essence of marriage is that I should be a blessing to you and you should be a blessing to me. So if at a stage in the marriage you feel that I owe you something, and that mina mama why ye ye and love does not boast. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. Eh? You were nothing. I picked you up from Rafu Yedru. And look at what I've made out of you. A lady married, a fancy lady married. This is a true story. And her husband was an Inzima man. And in the fancy lady's house, every time before you ate, there was an entree, which was a salad, every meal. So she started to make the salad for the man. At first, the man said, hey, me, this is salad for every meal. I said, oh, try it. Then when he started trying, he saw that it was very nice. So then now when he comes and he's not there, then he'll say, hey, no salad, no way. Then the woman said, hey, it's many way who salad. A bizarre, a bizarre. What is that? Love is not boastful, nor arrogant. Arrogant. If God were also to say, if it were not me, you would not even be alive. If it were not me, you would not have this profession. If it were not me, men will not even regard you. But I, God, have promoted you. But he doesn't always constantly remind us. You are nothing. If it were not me, love is not boastful. No, arrogant. Arrogant. Amen. No, proud. Pride is what also leads to many marriages breaking. The humility to say sorry is not there. The humility to say I was wrong is not there. Especially the brothers. Forever right. Amen. Bear my like me. I should go and say sorry to a, a girl. And then in my marriage class, sometimes the ladies go and say sorry. Then the man will cross his leg. For what? So for how I spoke. When was that? So you know that that's how you talk, eh? So you know that that's how you... Hey, if God were to give you conditions of forgiveness and to ask you to explain with diagrams, where will you be? Where will you be? Humility. What does the Bible say? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Marriage takes a lot of humility. It takes humility in the bedroom. Because you are this queen, Queen Esther, you know? And you don't do anybody's bidding and you don't turn around by hats. <laughs> and the person says, do this. Hey, yeah, I didn't mind for all these type of problems. So. <laughs> are we in a gym or are we are doing acrobatics or what, what are we about? Love is not proud. Amen. Amen. Some of us, we become like Queen Vashti. When they call you, the husband said, come, let me show your beauty. I will be the last to condemn Queen Vashti because the man was drunk, the Bible says. But even in the midst of that, she should have looked at the higher good to say that he's with his courtiers and all his 127 provinces. I don't have to disgrace him, so you let me go. 
Then after that, I'll come and continue. But they call and say, I'm not coming. A drunk man is calling me. For what? It takes humility. It takes humility. And that's what Esther had when she had not been called by the king. She didn't say, I'm going to talk to him anyway. He's my husband. That's him. But she said, no, there's a protocol in the palace. I have to observe it. But for me to break it, I need divine favor and divine hand. So fast and pray with me so that I can do that. And when she went, oh, king. The king said, ask anything, I'll give you. She came in a certain way. So humility is beautiful. And when God sees humility, he lifts you up. He lifts you up. So love is not boastful. Some of you ladies may earn more than your husband. I was earning more than my husband when we first married. His kolebu salary, my pay was more. But beloved, seasons also change. Not only once, it keeps evolving. So don't say, eh. But you, the work that you do, what's the use? Don't talk to the man like that. The Bible says, let the ladies, the women see to it that they reverence their husbands. See to it. It means that if you leave us small, it can rate into something else. The Bible says, let the women see to it that they reverence their husbands. First Peter chapter 3. Amen? Amen. Love is not boastful, arrogant, or rude. Or the Bible says love does not vaunt itself. Isn't it? And then love is not easily provoked. God kind of love that we need is not easily provoked. Provoked to jealousy. Provoked to anger. Provoked to hurt. Everything you are hurt. The sisters, don't wear your heart on your sleeves. Amen? Everything you are hurt is true. We are the weaker vessel. But you are supposed to be self-controlled. So love is not easily provoked. Some of you, your temper, when you finish, you will take the, the stew because you are angry and pour it on the wall. A pastor preached, like I think Fred Price said he was angry. He poured all the stew on the wall. Then after that, he saw that he himself was wiping it. You see, there's no sense in it. But love is not easily provoked. You are easily provoked to jealousy, easily provoked to anger, easily provoked to hurt, easily provoked to unforgiveness. Anything that you are easily provoked and to accept love is not right. Amen? Amen? So real love is not easily provoked. So some of you, you are too delicate to marry now. If you marry now, you will fall to shreds because you don't have any strength in you. The Bible says not having a root in themselves. About the sower, the seed he sowed, there are some seeds that they didn't have any root in themselves. So you need some root in yourself so that you are not easily provoked. Love is not envious or jealous. The Bible says God is a jealous God. And when I was reading the Bible, I saw that God's jealousy is often evoked when you have other idols. So there's a certain type of godly jealousy Paul talked about. He said, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. So some form of jealousy is allowed because there are certain, um, how do you say, barriers in marriage that should not be crossed. So if you are depriving your wife every time you are going out with a sister, you say it's visitation. And you never take your wife anywhere. Every time you are on the phone with this sister, you always say it's counseling. Another time it's deliverance. But your wife is never counseled, she's never delivered, and she's never visited. There's something wrong with that. It's a, it's a false balance. And it's not right. People get into it not consciously, but unconsciously. But it's something that must be watched. Love is not jealous. 
because some of us, our jealousy is not the normal jealousy. It's over and up. The man cannot smile at anybody. If he smiles, a hair, you are looking there. So, so when you are not there, he looks so. You are not a personal Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that keeps us all God-fearing. It's not the people we marry. Because you are where you are and you can do what you want to do. Amen? Amen. So what, what was I talking about? Love is not work. Love is not jealous. Boast. And then the last rounding up. Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The Amplified says love believes the best about everything. It believes the best. Some of us are programmed to always think evil. So everything, when we have good and bad, we choose evil. So why is this car parked here? We choose the evil one. Why is he coming late? You choose the evil one. Because of what you've seen in growing up sometimes, or what you've heard, or what you've seen of other people's lives, or your fears, it can all play into. But love's beliefs, love believes the best. So when the person, they say, what? My James, far be it. My James cannot do that. Say, hey, you, you live in denial. It's better to at least start from there. My wife, my wife is not that type. My wife will not do that. Love believes the best. And then love hopes all things and endures all things. Endurance is for difficult moments. So if love endures all things, it means that when you go through poverty, your love will endure. When you go through lean seasons, your love will endure. So when we say in the vows, for better, for worse, it's not a nursery rhyme or imagery or good literature. But it is really what happens in love. Your seasons in your own life are not the same seasons. In the same way, your seasons in marriage, you have winter, you have summer, you have spring, you have, what's the other one? Autumn. You have autumn. But you don't check out in winter. You stay through it all. Just like Christ stays with you. So love endures all things. And then finally, love never fails. You see, love sometimes looks weak. Love looks like it's not winning. Because when you love the unlovable and you love in spite of, it's not easy. But if you hold on to God's promise that love never fails, it means that when you walk in love, you will always win. Amen? So this is the God kind of love. And then all the other types of love come in and are based on that. Don't marry somebody you are not proud of. That when we ask you, who is this? You, you, you don't want to introduce him. When we say, who is this? You don't want to introduce her. When you are going out, you don't want to take her. And when she's coming, you say, me, me, but, me, but why? If you are not proud of me, don't take me anywhere. But nobody is already made sisters. All of us are a work in progress. So don't say, this one, he's too sight to Lady Reverend. He's not enlightened. Lady Reverend, on your policy. I had friends who used to say, he didn't go to the right school. And then when I asked them, which is the right school? Said, oh, Bochemo Town. <laughs> These type of schools. He didn't go to, I said, oh, it's a true story. So I asked the sister, what school is this? I said, Chichi. <laughs> With all apologies in case you went there. Then my husband said, what does the school have to do with it? The person is a good person. Today she's married to a secretary happily. <laughs> happily. So sometimes the things you are looking for are not love. They are foolishness. But ask yourself, 
Is this somebody I can spend my life with? Is this somebody I can get closer to God with as I walk with? Is it somebody that has eyes for the future with the brothers? Is this somebody that we can build a life together? Is this somebody who help me to love God more, serve God better? Is this somebody who fears God? And then other things that come in. Is his tribe stronger than his God? Some people are stronger. You see, the blood of the tribe is stronger than the blood of Jesus. And you need to be able to see that, you know. And so when you are going to a home, there's a lot of antagonism. And it never changes in spite of your prayers. You may have to look at it again. So divine love, brotherly love, and eros when you get married behind the bedchamber. Amen. Amen. We can do better. Amen. Amen. Um, so we'll, we'll take a few questions now. Um, I would like it if you write your questions down. I think the yeah, ashes will be going around with papers, so you can just write your questions down. If you want to also speak, um, we'll give you a chance to. So I want to introduce a few people. Um, we have Lady Reverence and Taraj, who came with her. I want to just wave at them. Uh, thank you very much. We also have the Papa of the House. Casey and Chair himself here. Casey, please wait for us to see you. And then we have a few alumni. We have our former presidio here. All right. Okay. So. So please, it's time for questions and then answers. If you want us to come to where you are sitting so that you ask your question, fine. Um, but if you please, want when to you get the questions, just bring them so that we can start to save time. Do we have any available now? Any, any question available? Do you have any now? Or someone would like to get up and ask a question? We've learned a lot, so I believe we have things that need to be addressed. We've learned that love Sometimes will Sometimes we have learned everything already. <laughs> love is not selfish. Oh, bomb. Bomb. Chronicles of love. We are waiting. Any question? Love is beautiful. What have you learned? What is bothering your mind? What is so present to you? Lady Reverend is here to address them. The Spirit of God is here with us. And God is love. So let God address your problems this evening. Any? Okay, I can see a hand back there. Then I, as far as you write your questions, I also want to say that there's a prophecy about marriage that can also not be ignored in the Bible. You know, it tells us that they that marry shall have trouble in the flesh. You see, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 28. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she had not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. Trouble in the flesh because you come from two different backgrounds. Trouble in the flesh because you are both male and female. 
Trouble in the flesh because you are all different temperaments. Trouble in the flesh because you think differently. So all that the flesh would like to manifest. But that is why you need to be spirit-filled to live a spiritual, to be a spiritual person in your marriage. Amen. Hey, Reverend, please, I want to know that does the way a lady dress scare men away? Decent and fashionable way, yeah? Um, the Sunday before Valentine's Day, we had a singles mingle in the church. And the sisters were saying that the brothers are afraid to approach them when they dress well. And they are smart. And some of them said, people feel that fair girls are bad, so they keep away from them. So they want to tell them, to tell the brothers, we are just girls. Ooh, there's nothing, we are just girls. So I think that sometimes the way a woman dresses may intimidate a man. But you are saying it's decent dressing. But of course, if it's a some way dressing, yes, it should intimidate us because we are spiritual beings. And some of the dressing is frightening. But if it's decent and fashionable, I think sometimes the brothers feel, well, this is a very expensive girl. I can't afford her. But I don't think they should be deterred by that. They should rather look at what is inside and flow with you. Amen. And you, the sister, you should also be approachable, not so high and mighty. Life is not proud, arrogant. Okay? Okay, he can ask. He can ask. No, no, I'll do that. <laughs> it's faster when I do it, I think. Thank you. Hello. Yes. My name is Emmanuel Odwini. Um, my question is just about the, the aspect of courtship or dating in a relationship. And people usually say it's very important prior to marriage. I want to know whether there's a particular time period you would put on that aspect, whether there's, there should be a period of courtship and how long should you court someone or date someone before you get married to the person? Are you in a relationship yourself? <laughs> yes. You are not answering my question. Yes, I'm in a relationship. Yes, ah, okay. So are you courting? So is it long short? <laughs> God bless you, Emmanuel. Well, the Bible says, I think it's First Thessalonians 5. It says, among all other things, that um, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And I think that improving things, you need time. Because time brings out certain things. So what we believe is the courtship should not be too long, neither will it be too short, but it should be enough for you to know each other. I think that that is important. So that it's not rushed, and at the same time, but sometimes too, when marriage takes too long, the people eventually break up because of all the stresses and things involved. So... Um, I would say, Emmanuel, that I think there should be some time of courtship before marriage. And it also would depend on whether the two of you are working, whether the two of you are already mature, 
whether the two of you have already walked that road and your ages and all that. But I think that the best time of courtship is in school. And that works very well. First Corinthians 5.21 But test everything and hold fast to that which is good. King James says, prove all things and hold fast to all that is good. So I hope I've answered your question. Courtship allows you to develop your friendship and your knowledge of each other. Lady Reverend, please, I want to know that that's the way... Okay, I've read that. Hello, Auntie Mammy, I so love you. Please, how will I know he's my bone of my bone? The Bible says, can any two walk except they be agreed? So, unless there's a flow and some unity, you cannot walk. When there's two visions, there's division. That's what division so when there's division, two, div two visions, it doesn't work. So you have to know whether you have the same vision, whether there's a flow, whether there's peace in the relationship, and whether you see a future. So many things I cannot preach all, but I brought some messages. Before you say I do, do you understand your marriage vows? 25 reasons why some women may not get married. It's all at the back there. And... Um, it's at no profit to me anyway, personally, but it's, it has time to discuss your issues. I want to know at what age a young girl should start considering being in a relationship. Um, usually, first, second year. Second year, first, is not bad to start because by that time you are beginning to mature, not only in body, but in the mind, in emotions, and even you have to be financially mature to marry. Emotionally mature, spiritually mature, physically mature, and financially mature. That means both of you have jobs. Not that you buy everything you need before. How would you know if you meet the right person? There are messages on the how to be found, how to be marriageable. You will know if you've met the right person, you will know. But please, Christians, pray about your future. Pray about your relationships. God to lead you. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths by showing you things that you wouldn't have known otherwise. Okay? So prayer is important. Is it a sin for a girl to confess her love to a man? I mean to propose. It's not a sin, but it's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. The Bible says, when a man has found a good thing. Not when the good thing has found the man. So um, I would think that. You should let the man propose. I have friends that the woman proposed up to today. They are married with three children. The man tells me, but on no crown, no proposal to me. Oh, it's not me who propose. I mean, that's what he said. So later, he will use it as a point of reference. So be the one you should be so that you will be found by him. There are many ways you will be close, but, you know, Ruth went to Boaz's house and lay at his feet, but she didn't uncover him and she didn't say, Boaz, I've come, try and tell me something. You know, I really feel it. No, there has to be some decorum about it. Amen. You can consult your pastor to make a way for you. Mama, please, how would you know you are in love and not just the butterfly feelings? The butterfly feelings are of love, but they should not be the main thing you base everything on. That's why I said, let your love abide with wisdom and knowledge. So don't be led just by feelings. Be led by a multitude of counsel. Let godly people counsel you. 
Let people who know counsel you, but be careful who counsels you. And then from the counseling, you move on that road and then you decide what you want to do. Please, what relation does emotional attachment have to do with love? What role does it play? Oh, emotions play a big part because emotions are also given by God. But when it takes the wrong priority and you are led by emotions and you are not making sense anymore, then something is wrong. So emotions should be part of it, but it's not the first thing. Do you understand? But it's not that love is not feeling at all. As for me, I have to love you. For a woman, we really have to love you so that we can put up with your nonsense. If we don't love you, it will be a problem. So emotions are important. How do you... How do you trust your partner when you came from a home where there's a lot of outbursts between parents? By renewing your mind, Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew. Renew your mind that God can do a new thing. Renew a mind that you cannot live your parents' lives. Renew your mind that not all men are bad. All men are men, but some men love God and fear God, and that helps. Amen? If you always dream about someone having sex with you, how can you break from it? You can break from it by watching the things you look at and the things you think about. And also, the Bible says in Mark 16, verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. So you, the believer, have also power to break the power of the enemy over your life. And so it is something that you can take authority over spiritually and break that power. And I would say, if you want to know how to deal with demons, Bishop Dag has written a book, Demons and How to Deal with Them. And then one of the, some of the good messages that we grew up on that taught us about demons was from Derek Prince. He's dead, but he has great messages even on YouTube. Demons and how to them, how to recognize demons. It's very powerful. And as you are listening to it, you will just receive your difference. And demons will go just like when Jesus was preaching in the temple and the demons started to react. And then they left. If you have so many of your guy friends proposing to you and you feel like and you feel you like them, what should you do? You need deliverance. <laughs> Because you can't like so many men at the same time. Something is wrong. So seek counsel, okay? Lady Reverend, please. How do you deal with the situation when your beloved is a good and strong Christian, all right? But you belong to a different church. Your pastor also keeps encouraging you to marry from your church. She seems to be tightly bound to church and quite reluctant about leaving her church to join you. What do you do about it? Well, the Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But from different churches, you can marry. But the problem is that when the partners or whoever is making the transition is not happy to flow or to change, then it becomes a problem. In my own parents' lives, my father was Methodist. My mother was a staunch Catholic, high up. But she became a Methodist because she loved the man. She became a Methodist 
and she learned all the Methodist things and ended up being the vice president of the whole Methodist church in Ghana. She married as an outsider. So it depends on you and how your flow is. We are all bound to our churches, but marriage makes you give up something. So the two of you must decide which church you are going to belong to. Some families, the woman goes to Methodist, the man goes to Catholic. I never grew up that way, so I didn't even think of it as an option. But some people live that way. They claim it works for them, but I think there will be some difficulties. Because when we have a convention, you are staying at home. When we have fasting, you have jamboree. When we have this, you have that. And sometimes it brings unnecessary strain on the marriage. So you need to sort that out. Must we have a definition of love? Yeah, love is of God. Love is patient, love is kind, and before all the other things. And then also, love must abound in knowledge and wisdom. So look at the practical things that both of you have in common and don't have in common and see whether it creates a future for you. Lady Reverend, if you love someone, must you have a reason? I think so. I think so. If you sit down and consider, you will know you, have, you love the person. Me personally, I don't believe in love because of my daddy. Sorry. Can something be done about it? I think I've answered that. That you need to renew your mind. And also don't have a grudge against your daddy. Allow God to be the judge. Amen. You just honor him. And then... Is it appropriate to have more than one beloved for emotional security? You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. This is polygamy. So I think I've answered your question. Please, I want to add that. Is it good to have sex with a lady or a woman you will not marry in future? I don't, you, do you know the word of God? The word of God says, flee youthful lusts. It says that we should keep our bodies from fornication. So you cannot sleep with a woman before you marry her. Can someone say he loves you and enjoys solitude, lives far from you, communicates less, always sings to you that he loves you? <laughs> I think that you should look at it seriously. Some people are super reserved. But you see, that's why love cannot stay the way it wants. You have to be willing to change for your partner's sake. So we all have temperaments and they all have their weaknesses. There are also lessons on that. Model marriage is a whole book on temperament, the kind of love, and everything. But I don't think that you can just sit and say, I don't like talking, and then just kill the relationship. Because communication is important. Of course, every, in every marriage, one person talks more than the other. In my marriage, I am the one who talks more. But my husband still talks, and he still gives um, his opinion. And sometimes... Depending on the topic, he talks more than I do. And I have to keep quiet for him to lecture me. Do you see? So it depends. But you can't not communicate. And every time you see your beloved, you just sing. Oh, we should then sing all the things that are on your heart and what you mean. Because she's not getting it. So I think we have to work at our relationships, not to just stay the same. But you, the beloved, ask yourself, can you live with this? Because there are many people in their marriages, they don't talk. Their house is quiet. When you stand behind the window, you will never hear laughter. You will never hear a joke. You will never hear about you, pa, nothing. Solitude, no talking. So please think about it properly.
How to know if the job of your partner really matters in marriage? Well, he should have a job. And he should be somebody who works hard. First, first Thessalonians 3.10. He who does not work must not eat. Then remember, does the tribe of the man really matter in a relationship? If the tribe is stronger than the blood of Jesus, it does. Lady Reverend, please, is it right to wait for a man who has traveled out of the country? You need to use a lot of wisdom. Because sometimes they've traveled out of the country. When you call them, a baby is crying. When you ask, they say the baby came to visit them. You see, all that you should know. And sometimes you will never get a paper. I have members like that. Eight years, ten years, no paper. The man cannot come. They cannot go. Why do you marry and hope that it will work? You should look at the probability if it's not going to work. The Bible says that even when you are fasting, you should come together quickly, let Satan tempt you. Then you, 10 years, you are there. By all means, you'll be tempted. And it's not going to be well for relationship. So let's be practical Christians. Let's not just live in the clouds. How do I know that the feeling I'm having is love, but not lust? Well, lust is all about passion. And it's very... How do you say it? Rapacious. It's very consuming. And it doesn't have any other side to it. You know? But everybody will experience some lust towards their relationship because they are going to marry the person. But they will not... Or some passion. But they will not... Um, they will not practice it. So yes, you will have some passion towards your beloved which may well be last, but it doesn't mean that that should all be the only thing in the relationship. If that's the only thing, then it's pure last and unalloyed, and it's not healthy. How do I stop a relationship without hurting much? I don't think you can. Even God hurts us sometimes because he has to. You know, God makes us go through pain because he has to. So if you have to leave the person and you are going to hurt the person, there's nothing you can do. But you can go about it with some decency. You see, don't just send a, a, a text message, I've left you. Those type of foolish people do. I'm talking from experience. Lady Reverend, please, what is the place of temperaments and love languages in building a relationship? Tall order. Temperaments come into a relationship. And especially when you know other's temperaments, it helps to be more accommodating and more understanding. Please, how do you balance God's love with your partner's love? The two must go together. I mean love for God. Well, I think that you must always put God first and seek his kingdom first and other things will be added. But some people in the name of that, they go and do ministry and they don't mind their beloveds. We had people like that in Legon. I had a friend like that who is now one of our bishops. He would come and leave his bag in the beloved's room. Then he would go out and do visitation from ship to ship, ship to ship, ship to ship. Then when they are closing the hall in Volta Hall, he will come for his bag and he will say, I've visited you. But it wasn't because he wanted to be mean. He didn't understand. And he felt that he was Brother Ujashio. He has to, you know, go for ministry. So then the beloved came to report to me. And I was his mate. So I said to him that don't leave your bag when you come because you are just trying to solve your country. Don't leave your bag in any room. Take it from ship to ship. And when you finish, don't pass by this room. Go. Oh, what are you saying? Then I told the beloved in secret. The beloved had this TA who was her friend, but she was not interested in. And then when the TA comes to visit her, this brother will be bored. 
So I told her, let the TA visit you. When it is, he will sit up. And surely he sat up. So um, I think that we should talk about it. We should talk about how we are going to combine. And I did a lot of visitation with my husband also. So that helped me. But after the visitation, then he will say, okay, so I visited you. I said, it's not a visit. We went place to place, ministering to people. You say you visited me. And later when we got my be preaching, he said that one of the things that shocked me was I'll go and visit the sheep with my beloved. When we come back, I'll say, I've visited you. She said, it's not, it's, it's not scoring. So the person doesn't have any bad mind, but we all think differently. We all don't know a lot of things. And it's a learning curve for everybody. So you need to be patient so that you minister to one another. Amen. God bless you, Mama. Please, how can you grow your love when both of you are busy with academic work? Make time for it. Management. Make time for everything, including your beloved dozing. My husband had papers in his pocket, what he called pathways. So he will bring pathways to visit me. And then maybe somebody will come in and talk about something. And, you know, my husband doesn't talk much, so he'll take his pathways and then he'll be learning. When the person goes, then he'll put his pathways back in his pocket and talk to me. And then if I have to go and cook, whatever, he will be sitting there. But as I'm cooking, staring the stew, he's still learning. So there are ways in which, and there were times when we are on holiday. I used to stay at Ringway Estate. He was at Osuba. It was just a walking distance. So he would come and visit me. And we would drink coffee together. I didn't drink coffee up to today. But he would drink coffee. And there were people also in the house. But we would be in the dining room area. And we'll be learning. And at a point, oh, let's break tension. Then we'll go for a walk and all that. Then we'll come back. So there are ways and means of doing your beloved. So the Bible says in Proverbs 11, 1, God hates a false balance. So try and have a good balance. But plan for it that at this time I'll have my quiet time. At this time I'll study. At this time I'll visit my beloved. And those of you who visit your beloved in the night and sleep on their beds in the night, your beloved is not a stone. The Bible didn't say encourage evil last. He says flee. So please, you have flesh. You are not a stone. So don't make provision for the flesh. Amen. Amen. Lady Reverend, I believe the word chronicle suggests an order of some sort. That's why it starts with agape. Then it goes to phile. Then it goes to eros. My question is, that, is that so? Yeah. If love is, the form of, is in a form of order, are there stages of love? I'm sure, like friendship, that you get to know each other. Then I said, in a circle, you'll be clo go drawing closer. You see that some people are getting closer than others. For instance, we used to have all nights every Friday. That reminds me, I have an all night. <laughs> every Friday. And then, after the all night, we'll go for dawn broadcast. Then when we finish dawn broadcast, everybody will be going to their hall. Then my husband and I, we were just friends, but we will find that we are the last in the group walking. And when we get to the front of Volta Hall, he will sit by the flower bed, and it will be like four, but we'll talk until about seven. You know, then we will part ways to go and sleep for the morning. So in the group, there are still people who are closer to each other. So in stages, friendship, getting to know each other, getting closer generally, and then zeroing in on the two of you. Is that not so? Please, do you need to change who you are as a person to be able to gain the woman of your dreams? 
I don't think so. It depends on what you mean by change. I think that we should all be ourselves. So I don't like that, you know, when you have a beloved, you have to pose so that the person would think you are something else. Then later, no, what you see is what you get. You know, so be yourself so that the person will truly love you for who you are. And that makes the friendship authentic. But if you mean changing like, you know, sometimes some sisters say, I don't like him because he picks his nose. It's not only that she doesn't like you because of that, but it's socially not good. So you change. So all of us have to change for the better. After all, in Christ, we are changed from glory to glory. So there is some kind of change, but not change of who you are at the core. At the age of 16 to 20 years, is it good for a boy and girl to promise both of you down for marriage? I don't think so. Why should you fix your telescope so quickly in one direction? Hey, meet so many people after that you choose. I think it's better. But usually when people, some people make that covenant. I have friends like that from, is it from one? Emma and Major Mefo from one. And then they went on and on. And they did marry. They did marry after uni. So sometimes, but often not. How do you choose your marriage partner in spite of so many lovers? You people, when you love somebody, usually you zero in. You don't have so many people you love. Then you have a problem. Go and solve it. How do you graduate from friendship to marriage without failure? Um, pray about, without being bounced, you mean. Pray about your relationship. And also the brothers, I don't know. Sometimes you don't gauge rightly. You know, and, 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 and what you think means the sister is game. It's not game at all. And sometimes the sisters too, you hear wedding bells early. So, Lady Reverend, because he sends me notes, he cares about me. But he's doing that in school of hygiene, school of uh, allied sciences, and medical school. He's doing it everywhere. So, it's not just you. You're not special. So, it's good to stay open to avoid unnecessary heartaches. And the brothers, my husband had a friend who was his mate. And I had my friend who was my maid of honor. But before then, my husband said his friend was interested in my maid of honor. At that time, when my... And I said, your friend will bounce. My husband said, oh, it's not true. It's not true. He won't bounce. She likes him. I said, ah, the person is my friend. And I'm telling you, she doesn't like this, your friend. He will not listen. And then he gave me reasons. Say, eh, even when Gamsu went to the north, he bought her bag and slippers. She was very happy. Said, ah, it doesn't mean that she likes him. Anyway, long story short, the brother came to propose and he fell on his face flat like this, boom. You see, so sometimes I don't know how the brothers read. When you are being nice, there was a guy that was my convert and he was a Buddhist to start with. And by God's grace, I brought him to Christ, nurtured him. And he was so convinced that I was in love with him. When I had a beloved, I said, ah, how is the person thinking? I kept telling him, I don't like you. He said that he saw my friends going to the library and they were whispering, hey, that's my miss guy. I said, me. My friends don't even know you anyway. I said and said and said, it didn't sink. Till eventually I had to become nasty before the person would get the message. So brothers, he sometimes... You get the message, but you refuse to get the message, you know. And sometimes you should ask clearly. 
Like my husband used to ask me. So, if someone were to ask you the million dollar question, what will you say? What is million dollar question? <laughs> he said, oh, I mean, if a brother came to propose to you, what will you say? Me too, I had my answer. So I said, I wonder. I should come and say, I will say, yeah. I will never say that. He said, oh, I wonder. You say, yeah, then you frame it another way. I said, oh, I wish I knew. I had all my answers ready. <laughs> so, so sisters, don't hear till you hear. My first question is, when is the right time for a couple to be in a relationship, to make themselves known to their parents? I think when the relationship is very serious and you know that you are getting close to marriage. But as you visit your beloved and your beloved visits you, your parents will know indirectly. But then when there's a formal introduction, then really you are on the threshold of marrying. Aside the fact that the couple have a counselor that helps them grow, yes. So I think that with that, then your parents will know. They will know naturally, but you would also tell them, well, I told my mother, but oh, I have a beloved. My father, dear, I was afraid, but I told my mother. And then it starts from there. You also tell your mother, then they will see. When the guy comes, good evening. Please, I was looking for mommy. Uh, then they will see the person is coming. They are not children. They can also see. But the formal introduction comes on the show of marriage. Thank you very much for enlightening us. Please, I want to know if God shows us the right marriage partner in dreams or prophecies. God can do that, but a prophecy is always backed by the word. And the Bible also says, test all prophecies. So you test the prophecy. And also, if God gives you a vision, he will give the other person to a vision. When he spoke to Mary, he went and spoke to Joseph in a dream. So that by the time the two met, they were at Edom. They were of the same mind. So God cannot speak to you and give you a vision. And then me, he has not spoken to me. So pray that he also give me a vision so that we both will walk along. I want to know whether God can speak to you, but I don't think that God forces into marriage. Because 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, let her marry whom she will. So God takes your will into consideration after you have met all the points on his word. I want to know whether God can speak to you about the right person you need to be with. Yes, Holy Spirit convicts us, leads us, and shows us. That's why I say, wait on God. Go somewhere. Spend time praying. Don't be moved by the outward. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. If some of you know, my husband says that, not that he says, my husband prayed for one year to know whether what he was feeling was of God. And what he told me was that he wanted to pray before he gets all emotional and cannot hear God. And that we should both pray. So I also prayed and uh, waited to see what next. So I had my answer. But then we met later on when school was reopening, and then he said he believed that this is what God wanted him to do. And then I had also got my answer already, so we flowed along. Assuming you are dating and mistakenly see your guy's manhood, and you don't like it because it's small. <laughs> Is it advisable to continue? How do you know what is small, what is medium, and what is big? It means that you are an experimenter. Because how do you know that? 
And then also, it's even in our marriage counseling manual. It has been proven medically that that does not affect the quality of sexual relationship people have, nor their fertility. Because biologically, you are the science people. It is proven that in the act, the organ enlarges. Amen? So this is what they put there. Uh, uh, South Africa, there's a lot of that. Enlargement of here. Enlargement of that. Enlargement of that. You have all this enlargement and you are still not satisfied. Because that is not what brings satisfaction. Okay? So I don't think it's, it's going to... You mistakenly saw his mind. It cannot be. How? <laughs> you need to renew your mind. See, you've been in the world a lot. And you've done things. Because when I was getting married, I didn't know all these things. But I knew that I loved the person and enough was enough. Okay? So you are probably watching things, reading things, looking at things and knowing things. And it gives you a wrong picture. And you look for things that don't exist. And in the end, you are the poorer. Last one. Lady Reverend, in your speech, you said, love does not matter how the man or woman I will rephrase. Lady Reverend, in your speech, you said it does not matter. The standard of living. It's not the standard of living. It's, uh, it's not the standard. The station of life. Standard of living is how expensive things are or how not expensive. So the station of life of the couple, of the woman or the man. But Lady Reverend, when a man who wants to marry you and in the process of the preparation... He attempts to sleep with you. Ah, is it the same question? Should you leave him or let him go on with the marriage? <laughs> Every man is tempted. So in our marriage counseling, we say, women are often stronger when it comes to sex. But this generation, I don't know. You are a different generation altogether. <laughs> the things you talk about, look, when we hear, we feel dizzy. We can't. But every man will be tempted to be intimate with you. And you, the woman, will be tempted to be intimate with the man. But a woman's intimacy doesn't usually start from the sexual, unless she has been really exposed. You know, a woman's intimacy hold me, cuddle me. That, that's your intimacy, but it also leads to sexual things. So you all have that temptation. And you all have to flee youthful lust. And you all have to possess your vessels. So even if he wants to sleep with you, what we counsel is you walk away. You leave. And you should discuss this as beloveds before you get into the relationship. Not that when you, you are saying, hmm, so is it a sin to hold you here? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all right. You will say all right, all right, because you are in the heat of passion. So you should know that the Bible says we should flee also uncleanliness. So it's not just fornication, but fornication is a journey, a road. You start with this, 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 then you get there. So flee youthful lust. When Joseph was being chased by Potiphar's wife, he didn't sit there to explain 25 reasons why I can't sleep with you. He ran and he left his coat there. That is what it entails to keep yourself pure because our sexual drives are very strong, especially the brothers. So you, the ladies, should put the brakes on and should not be the ones removing your skirts because men are moved by sight more than women. Women are basically moved more by touch. 
Amen. So help your beloved stay pure for your own sake and for God's sake. Amen. I hope I'm saying something. It's been two years now and I'm still confused to say yes to the marriage. I don't think you should break up because of that. But I think you should seek counseling, both of you. And be open with your counselor. Your counselor will not condemn you. It's the sick who need a physician, not those who are well. So if you are sick in that area, I mean spiritually you need help. You should not shun to seek help. We are too secretive Christians. And we'll be dying inside decaying inside i want to you see we are the best hollywood actors we we give a certain picture outside it's not right seek help and when you are given the counsel walk by it and you said finally that i said um, the station of life doesn't matter i said when you have two jobs you usually should be able to manage on that yes you will save yes you will prepare but you won't have everything you need. You see, you can't wait that. I want my beloved, when he buys a car, and then he buys a fridge and a freezer, and then he buys a television, and then he buys furniture, that's when we'll marry. When we married, we lived in one apartment given to us by my father-in-law. But we both had jobs, and that was enough for us. There were times when there were dry seasons, but it's part of love and it's part of growing up. And then you grow into whatever goes you. And brothers, when you become successful, don't just start to talk to your wife anyhow, control her. Remember when you were nothing and you looked like a skeleton. She married you. God bless you. I think that we should not be too spooky about love. We should use our mind and we should also use good counsel. The Bible says, by good counsel, wage war. God bless you. Oh, keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Amen. Oh, amen. Turn to someone and say, wow. Say, wow. Turn to another person and say, feelings are good. But it should not lead you into anything. Anything. Into making mistakes. I mean, the ones, of course. Amen. I want to teach you something. Lady Reverend has blessed us this evening. And I know that you are wonderfully blessed as well. So I want to teach you a simple hand clapping. It goes like this. Watch me. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.